Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. You know, when I prepare for um, messages this time of the year, I sometimes go back to prophetic books in the Bible. Prophetic books speak of the times that are to come. And obviously, we're looking ahead at the start of every year. And um, prophetic books often have these big prophetic revelations. They're like these these things that speak of the God story and how God wants to redeem humanity through Jesus Christ. And obviously the New Testament confirms all of that and so much of of the prophetic books are continuing to unfold for us. But what I love about these prophetic books as well, if you look deeply into some of the texts, you better find deeply personal applications for the here and the now as well. It's the genius of God. One such text is Jeremiah chapter 18. Uh, We're going to dive into Jeremiah chapter 18. That book of Jeremiah chapter 18 was kind of written around Jeremiah's ministry, uh, around the kingdom of Judah, around maybe late 7th century, early 6th century BC. Um, And through Jeremiah, the Lord actually asked God's people a very important question that really resonated with me. And I really want to unpack that for you today. Is that okay? Okay, let's, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 18. We're going to do some flat out teaching today. So you can, you can pull your phones out. If you've got a notebook, feel free to take some notes. Verse 1, it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. I want you to picture this, okay? Jeremiah's gone down to the potter's house. He's seeing this in front of him. God's speaking to him while he's seeing this, witnessing this. And the vessel that he, the potter, made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? That's the question. Can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Can we give God a big shout of praise for the incredible text? Today, my subject matter is simply this. He's making me. Turn to someone and say, He's making me. He's making me. The Lord tells Jeremiah to go to the potter's house and there witness what the potter was doing. It was pottery back then was a, a, a well-known, very common skill. Potters were everywhere. It was the only way to make clay cups and jars and pots and Bowls and the Lord wanted to reveal himself to his people as a potter in this particular text. Through the Bible, you be able to see the Lord presents himself in many ways to us. Um, we, we see word pictures like master and lord and king and savior and shepherd, lamb, lion, vine, vine dresser or gardener, living water. The list goes on. You heard of those terms? Yep, don't go quiet on me now. You heard of those terms? Well, right here, the Lord presents himself to people. As potter. Oftentimes, when God presents himself to something that's relatable, it immediately implies our position in relation to him. The way that we relate to him ought to be the way that he presents himself to us. For example, if he presents himself as master, we're clearly servants. If he presents himself as vine, we're the branches. If he presents himself as potter, we are the clay. Come on now, somebody. So this is a word that, that many of you are going to stand on for this coming year. It is simply this, that he is the potter, I am the clay. Turn to someone and say, he is the potter. Turn to the other person and say, I am the clay. Now this is what you need to understand. For 2024, God is more interested in who we are becoming than what we are achieving. Come on, somebody. And God isn't just interested in who we're becoming. 
He's interested in becoming our primary shaper. He's interested in actually becoming our primary shaper. Some of you that are action people in the room might be thinking to yourself, what? You mean like God's not interested in me being fruitful and successful and achieving my life goals this year? Bam, 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 bam. Because that's like, you know, that's what I'm all about. I'm all about getting things done, right? Now, of course, God wants you to be fruitful. Of course, God wants you to bear fruit, all of that sort of stuff. But you need to understand, he needs to shape you to becoming a strong branch before you bear fruit. Come on. Because God will never ask you to produce something out of your life in any given year that you have not become capable of or prepared to produce. He needs to make you first. Come on, somebody. That's why the Lord reminds us that we are clay. And whether you like to admit it or not, you are actually clay. The picture of clay is powerful. It's this combination of elements of earth, certain types of compositions of dirt and water that becomes clay. It becomes this beautiful organic material that's pliable, moldable by pressure, and then when it's fully formed, it hardens under heat. It's this picture of, from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 as well. You know, man being formed out of, out of clay and, and, and the breath of God. And, you know, the picture of clay vessels that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 4 that, that hold, or earthen vessels, earth clay vessels that hold or contain precious stones. They're all consistent conversations God has with us about us being clay and Him being the potter. Now, if you need to admit and concede today, which I'm praying that you do, that you are clay, my question to you today is simply this, who actually is your potter? Who's shaping you? If you are clay, who has been shaping you in 2023? Who's been shaping your thought life? Who's been shaping your behaviors? Who's shaping your attitudes? Who's shaping your spirituality? Who's shaping your understanding of God? Who's shaping you now? Come on, somebody. You are definitely clay, but who's your potter? And here is something that you can think about in in terms of relation of yourself being clay and the Lord being potter. It's simply this, you are the clay, but you actually get to choose daily who your potter is. You are the clay, but you get to choose your potter. And here God was conveying through Jeremiah that the nation of Israel, his people, their best life is to assume the role as clay, but their best life is to trust their lives into the hands of the potter. Come on, somebody. In 2024, my prayer for us is that God is going to reawaken in us at Nations Church again the beauty and the joy of what it means to be clay and to let God be our potter. Can we give God a big shout of praise today? So that's the foundation. I'm laying, laying a, like a foundation for us to, to catapult from here. I want you, the media team, to put up this moving graphic. It's, it's a picture of the potter and obviously spinning the wheel and working this lump of clay. Now, this may come as a disappointment to some of you to hear me say this, but you're not qualified to be the potter. You're actually not qualified to be the potter of your own clay life. In fact, you need to concede today that your best life is to put your clay life into the hands of the only one living true God who is the true potter of your life. Come on, can I ask you today, is your potter the two to three hours of scrolling Instagram reels and TikTok? Is that what's shaping you today? Come on. Are you starting to think and sound like your internet algorithm? Come on now, somebody. Or maybe, have you been shaped by that one friend that's really toxic towards the church and towards to- very toxic towards Christianity? Have you been shaped? Have you been, who has been shaping you? 
Because I want to suggest to you today that not all potters are the same. A lump of clay in my highly untrained, uncoordinated hands, man, that lump of clay is going to turn out like, I don't know, maybe something you might pick up on the ground with a doggy disposable bag. That's a whole different thing. Um, But it's really important for you to decide at the start of 2024 who your potter is. And in 2024, the invitation to come back to the potter is being released again to you. Come back to the only one true potter. Your clay life is altogether too precious, too fragile to put into the hands of anyone else, either in person or on social media, to be shaped by anyone else other than the only one who created you to be in his image. Why? Do we even need a potter, clay people? Why, why do we even need a potter? It's because our clay became infected with the disease of disobedience and sin, and the potter now needs to remold us, restore us, and reshape us into the image he first created for us to be. Come on, somebody shout amen. You know the genius of this analogy of the potter and the clay, there's so much in it, there's so many layers in it. In fact, after the early service, there was actually a couple of people that were bonafide potters that own pottery businesses and have pottery wheels in the house, came up and spoke to me about it and, and gave me extra layers. It's an incredible genius on, on this. Um, you know, you got to understand that when, when God speaks about the potter and, and the clay, uh, he actually has your ultimate benefit in mind. He does have your fruit. Your, your, your success, your achievements in mind. He's got all of those things in mind, but God flips the script on us when it comes to our life goals and our desires, even what we feel God has called us to do, what we desire in God. You need to know that what we focus on, but at times be quite different to what God focuses on. Our priorities might be a little different to God's priorities. See, I think that we are conditioned to focus on and desire outcomes. But God is far more interested in the process. We're conditioned to pursue the results, to want what we would call the fruit or or the results of things. But God is far more concerned about the process. In God's mind, the outcomes follow the process. Because if you pursue the outcomes without following the process, you may end up with something God never intended for you to have. Come on now, somebody. Or even worse, you might end up with something you can't handle once you get it. You know, sometimes in seasons of our prayer and our fasting and things like that, we want more success. We're believing. We want more breakthrough. We ask God for more fruit. We want more evidence of forward progression. We want to build something significant. We want to achieve something noteworthy for God. That's just old stuff in my own diary. We want this stuff. You know, they're all great things. You need to understand that, that, that God is not a cruel father. He, he wants good things for us. That should be your underlying theology. But God values process while we might value outcomes. Because God knows that without the process, the outcomes could be compromised. Is this biblical? 100%. Jesus says this, John chapter 15. You can take that down and put this up on the screen. Jesus says this, I am the vine, therefore you are the branches. Here's another picture, right? Potter, clay, vine branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. In other words, you might be concerned about bearing fruit. I'm concerned about you abiding. Oh, getting real quiet now. We might be really hung up on getting better fruit, but God is saying, come on, why don't you just concentrate on abiding 
And when you abide in me, then you, the much fruit, you'll just bear it as an overflow or a natural flow from abiding. See, God is far more interested in shaping you this year than what you're going to be achieving for him. Come on, somebody. Focusing on the process will lead you to better outcomes, the kind of outcomes that are aligned with the heart of God, the outcomes that are sustainable and God-honoring, much more than focusing on the outcomes itself. So maybe this is one way that you can say this. While I may be focused on the success of me, God is more interested in the making of me. While I might be focused on my goals, on my stuff, on pursuing greater achievement for me, God is more interested in the greater maturing in me. And so this is a word for you to stand on in 2024. Be the clay and let the potter do his work. Can we give God a big shout of praise today? Be the clay and let the potter do his work. And you, you please don't misquote me today. God, they're not mutually exclusive, the, the, the outcomes and the process. In fact, God wants you to have those outcomes. That's why he's so focusing on you becoming the clay that allows the potter to shape it. He's just trying to make sure that your heart and your character can handle what it is you're asking for when he gives it to you. Come on, somebody. He's making sure that you go through the process so that you become someone that he can entrust sustained fruitfulness with. Every potter will be able to tell you that no lump of clay can one day be a beautiful, strong, hardened, durable jar or a pot and trust it to contain precious stones or delicate flowers or precious wine without allowing the potter to spin it around and around and around and around and around and around relentlessly and consistently over and over again to shape it on the potter's wheel. Every single one of us likes to do one spin. Ta-da, done. I'm done, I'm it, I'm a vessel. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Every potter will be able to tell you it's a consistent spin and it takes time. And when is the pot gonna be ready? It's ready when the potter senses in his hands it's ready. Come on, somebody, right? And this year, I feel like our church needs to have a renewed gratitude for the potter's hands. We don't always appreciate the potter's hands. You know why? Because the potter's hands always feel like pressure. But you gotta understand the potter's hands that shape us and might feel uncomfortable sometimes, we need to flip the script to see that as something that we don't want or we need to walk away from, we need to pray away as something that we appreciate as a gift from God. Come on, somebody. Oh, I'm feeling that this year. But we gotta appreciate that that is the, part, the, the conversation of God with us. The potter's way of making us is by applying constant and consistent pressure by his hands. What you think is gonna break you is actually the potter making you. I love uh, the character of the man by the name of Joseph. We find him in the book of Genesis at the start of the Bible. And uh, the, the book of Genesis accounts for a man by the name of Joseph, an intriguing character. When we're introduced to Joseph, he's a teenager, probably 17 years old. Um, unlike other characters like, like Abraham and maybe even you know, Daniel and, and Nehemiah and, and people like that, they're introduced as adults, but Daniel's, uh, Joseph's introduced to us as a young boy. And as a teenager, God actually gives Joseph incredible dreams, these very vivid dreams of being a person of significant influence. He dreams of sheaves bowing down to his sheaf and sun, moon, and stars bowing down to him and all of that sort of stuff. It's just wild. And Joseph, man, he talked a big game. He told everyone about his big dreams, 
right? And, and, and you would think that if God gave Joseph those things, those dreams, those promises, that it would be a foregone conclusion that bam, you know, he just becomes it the next day, right? But as we begin to unfold the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis, in the latter chapters of Genesis, we actually had, then will land on a, a section in the book of Genesis where Joseph actually becomes a man of great influence. He becomes the prime minister of a land called Egypt and controls the economic power of the entire region during a time of famine. This guy decided who gets to eat and who doesn't. He decided who gets to live and who doesn't. That's incredible power, come on. Now, it'd be wrong of us to get to that part of the book of Genesis and see that life of Joseph and go, man, I wanna be like that. I wanna be used by God like that. I wanna, I wanna you know, have that kind of influence, but Forget about the, all the shaping things that happen in Joseph's life and actually ignore the fact you, we all want to get to the place where we wear the governor or the prime minister's outfit and stand in a place of influence, but we actually want to ignore all of the shaping moments of Joseph's, Joseph's life that got him there. Let me tell you what are the shaping moments that many of us would have walked away from or even tapped out from, from the get-go. It was the shaping hands of God while Joseph was left to die in the pit, thrown in there by his own brothers who hated him. Then, it was, then he gets to the parliament house by the shaping hands of God while he was being sold into slavery and trafficked into Egypt, separated from his family, not knowing whether his own father knew he was still alive. It happened by the shaping hands of God while Joseph, who always felt like he was meant to be influential, was made to work like a servant for an Egyptian politician named Potiphar. And it happened by the shaping hands of God while Joseph, every day, he went about cleaning and tidying and maintaining Potiphar's house that Potiphar's wife tries to get him to sleep with her. It happened by the shaping hands of God while Joseph stood there with his hands tied behind his back while Potiphar's wife accused him of raping her because she was so sick of being rejected by him. It happened by the shaping hands of God while he was thrown into a prison on trumped up charges with no date set for parole or even a fair hearing. It happened by the shaping hands of God while he was in prison that he was faced with an opportunity to serve his fellow prisoners who also started to have dreams just like he did when he was a young boy. It happened by the shaping hands of God that while Joseph served his fellow inmates, he asked them to remember him when they got out and plead his case with Pharaoh, but they forgot about him and went on with their lives. It happened by the shaping hands of God that Pharaoh also had dreams and needed an interpreter, and Joseph was faced with a choice whether or not to serve the very king whose prison cell he was forced to live in for years. And on and on it goes. These are all low points. It's like sometimes in life there are highs and lows. Joseph, dream, low point, low point, low point, low point, low point, low point, low point. Shaping, 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 shaping. How many of you feel like you had that kind of 2023? Like shaping, how many of you have been through seasons where you feel that, man, I, I, I'd love to come up for air now, God, and have a bit of a high point right now. And yet it's a shaping, 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 shaping. Constant, consistent pressure. What would have looked like, if you read the Bible, the life of Joseph, it looks like so many of these things could have broken him, but it didn't break him, it made him. See, sometimes we think of the challenges in life through the wrong lens. It's not a theological lens, it's not a scriptural lens. In God's eyes, when he wants to shape you, he'll apply he, the concept. It's not that he causes these things to happen, but he'll use it to shape us. Come on, somebody shout amen. We've been sold a lie that pressure at times causes us anxiety, that there are difficulties to be avoided, they make us stressed out, so we need to, you know, it's gonna overwhelm us, so, so we need to really, you know, pray it away. I'm, I'm not talking about satanic attacks. I'm talking about life sometimes. God uses the pressures of life to shape us. After all the years and years of separating from his own family, 
a father that thought he was dead and brothers that betrayed him and left him for dead. You know, Joseph was left with a decision to make. Will I allow all of these things that I could see as a curse or see as something that would have broken me as something that I've allowed God to place me on the potter's wheel with? And as we begin to unfold the life of Joseph, we see in Genesis chapter 50, 17 years have now passed since he's reunited with his father who thought he was dead. He had 17 good years with Jacob, his dad. And now Jacob, his father, had died. His own brothers thought, okay, now that father has died, surely Joseph is going to exact the revenge on us for throwing him in the pit all those years ago. But we look at what Joseph, he, he's, so, he's so been shaped by God. He says this in verse, 50, uh, verse 19 of chapter 50. Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me, brothers. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. What did God intend for good? All of it. The pit, the trumped up rape charges, the prison cell, the being forgotten in prison. Come on. It, it, God intended it all for good and he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Come on, somebody. If the enemy has ever sold you the lie that that harm was meant to break you and take you out, you've got to understand that God can turn everything that the enemy has tried to harm you with for good in Jesus' name. What? You mean that financial setback last year? Can God use that for any good? Of course He can. You mean the painful relational breakup? Can God use that for any good? Of course He can. You mean that heartache with your kids? Can God use that for any good? Of course He can. You mean that tragedy, that grief, that trauma? Can God even turn that around? Of course He can. You mean that betrayal, that hurt? Can God use that for good? I want to say this to you today, that there's nothing harmful that has befallen you, that God cannot shape you for good. The potter's wheel isn't pleasant sometimes, but it is what makes us, and the greater the intended harm, the greater the intended shaping for your good. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to hear me today. This is, this is prophetic for someone. Your greatest pain, one day, that's going to be your greatest praise. Come on now. There's somebody here today, your greatest trauma will be your greatest testimony. And I know that somebody in this room today, that last year's weakness is going to be this year's greatest weapon. Sometimes we can only see the distorted, painful, spinning around, I'm not even anything yet constant, persistent pressure of life. But you gotta understand that God had already seen the finished product. We're not in the finished product yet, but you gotta understand God, the potter, is constantly at work. Everybody wants the big prophetic dreams that Joseph dreamt as a teenager, and everybody wants the final outcome, but nobody wants to walk the process of being spun around and being shaped. Can I say this to you today? Stay on the potter's wheel. Come on, somebody. Whilst the shaping is done by the pressure applied by the hands of the potter, the clay can only be shaped if it stays on the wheel. It's a decision every lump of clay in this room needs to make, that you're going to stay on the potter's wheel. You know, the daily decision to stay on the potter's wheel, that's actually called obedience. The daily decision to stay on the potter's wheel, that's actually called obedience. That's what actually shapes us the most, where we feel the most pressure applied by the hands of the potter. It's by walking in obedience. Say that word with me, obedience. 
It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Some of you go, yes, obedience. I love my kids to be obedient. That'd be awesome. I love my teenagers to be obedient. Um, but obedient, yes, Lord, I, I want to be obedient. Yes, I want to walk in obedience. We understand there's a million sermons in obedience. But can I suggest to you that obedience is not measured by compliance in the presence of willingness? Obedience is measured by compliance even in the presence of reluctance. Think about that for a moment. Obedience is not measured by you doing what you already, what you, obedience is not measured by God asking you to do something that you already wanted to do anyway. Do you know what I mean? Obedience is not measured by you just doing what you're already passionate about doing anyway. Obedience, sometimes we think obedience is like me coming up to, to someone and say, oh, you know, what, what are you really passionate about? What do you love to do? Oh, I love to sing. I just love to, I just love to sing for Jesus. Great, well, why don't you sing for Jesus then? Yes, I think I'll do that this year. I'll sing for Jesus on the stage. And then you do, you go and sing for Jesus. And you think that's obedience? No. That's just doing what you've already wanted to do anyway. Obedience is me asking the singer to clean the church toilets. That's obedience. Obedience is me asking the worship leader to teach young kids in Sprouts and Rockets. That's obedience. Obedience is measured by us complying even in the presence of reluctance. Come on, somebody. I think sometimes we get a bit of a wrong, unkingdom-like culture happening here where we ask people, what do you like to do? What are you passionate about doing? How come? And we craft a God around people's desires, ambitions, and agendas. Now, you gotta understand, God gives us passions. God gives us things we love to do. There's that's nothing wrong with that. But I, sometimes we wanna be the potter and we wanna make God the clay. Come on now, where we actually shape the kind of God that we want. Ooh, ooh, I like that. Shape it around my schedule, my, my agendas. Mm, oh yeah, I like that. Oh, that kind of God suits me. Thank you very much. This is the stage of my life right now, that, that kind of God. And we, we want to be the potter and we make God the clay. But God is saying, Jeremiah, I want you to take yourself down to the potter's house. And I want you to see what the potter's doing. And I'm going to ask my people this very question. Can I not do with you what this potter is doing with this clay? Because your best life is not to be the potter of your own life. Your best life is to be the clay and entrust me, the potter, to shape you. Come on, give Jesus a big shout of praise. And you can only truly be clay that is shaped by God the potter when you choose to stay on the wheel whether it suits you or not. The reason for that, you gotta remember, while all of this is happening is because ultimately God is making you back into his image. Don't you dare make him into yours. The clay needs the potter, remember, because of the corruption. Our clay self had deviated from the original image of God. And so the potter now begins to shape us, to restore us back into the image that he first intended for us. We, he's shaping us into be, becoming Christ-like again. He's shaping us into becoming our original intended design. And for us, it's the yieldedness of God this year to say, God, I, I, I don't enjoy the spinning around. I don't enjoy the shaping, but God, I'm yielded to you. Oh, that made me a little dizzy but I'm yielding to your shaping hand. There are things, habits, behaviors, attitudes, compromises. He's asking you to get rid of them. You're not carrying them into this coming year. Come on, somebody. He's gonna shape it out of you. That's not part of your future. Come on, somebody. 
There are some things that he wants you to change. Maybe there are unforgiveness things that you're holding on to. He doesn't want you to carry that into this coming year, but he's shaping it out of you. The spiritual discipline of early morning prayer. He's shaping that into you. Come on, somebody. To serve him, to put him first in your finances with your time. There are all the things we don't want, but God is shaping that on the inside of you. And true obedience is compliance in the presence of reluctance to do what he's asking us to do. I want to say this today. If it feels uncomfortable, stay on the potter's wheel. Stay on the potter's wheel. You don't know what he's going to shape you into, but you can trust that the potter is going to shape you into something that he can use. What he's got in store for you is going to require a shape of you that doesn't include some of the things that he wants to shape out of you. If he knows there are some precious stones that you're going to be containing, he needs to make you strong enough to contain it. Some people say, you know, I want to serve Jesus as a prophet. I'm a prophet. I've got a prophetic gift. I'm a prophetic gift. God's saying, fantastic, let me shape that problem you have of submitting to spiritual authority. Let me shape that out of you. I want to serve Jesus with my gifts. I've got lots of gifts. Fantastic. Let me shape that maverick, independent, unaccountable spirit out of you. I want to shape that out of you. See, so many of us want the end result. We want what Joseph became without going through what made Joseph the way. Come on, turn to someone and say, he's making me. He's making me. And some of you come the end of this year, you're going to look back and go, God, I'm so grateful that I did not jump off the potter's wheel and I allowed you to shape me. Some others, you're going to get to the end of this year and go, God, what have you done to me? I don't know if I'm enjoying what you're making me. If that's you, I've got a verse for you too. Isaiah 45 verse 9 says this, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does the clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Stop, Jesus, you're doing it wrong. No. What does the clay do? The best clay is yielding. It's clay that is yielding, malleable. It spins with the right rotation and the right rhythm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Some of you here today, maybe you feel like you've walked with Jesus a long time and like, you're a legit vessel now. I feel like you're a legit vessel. Like I'm a legit vessel now. You know, I've been through some things. I've, I've, been, I've been through the fire. I'm a legit vessel. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready to be used by God. Like I have been used and like, you know, you don't understand. I'm a fourth generation Baptist preacher's kid. You know, I'm ready to be used by God. Um, you know, like we feel like we're a legit vessel now. But sometimes we got to understand that the potter continues to want to shape and reshape us. It's never a set and forget. If you actually read Jeremiah chapter 18, there's a bit of a detail that we often miss. What Jeremiah was witnessing the potter doing, the potter was actually reworking an already formed but slightly disfigured lump of clay. It says this, then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel, we already read this, we just missed it. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. The biggest mistake we can ever make is to feel that we've arrived at the hands of the potter. The biggest mistake we can ever make is feeling, eh, I'm too old now, you can't shape me anymore. No, stay on the potter's wheel. He can still shape you. Come on, somebody. 
the biggest mistake we can ever, ever make is, is, to, is to say, now we've done a lot, there's nothing new that you can teach me, to say, Jesus, shape me, keep on molding me, to the day I die, I wanna stay malleable in your hands. You'll disqualify yourself from carrying new treasure and new precious stones in this next season if you resist the potter's hand in this season of your life. The potter looked at the clay and said, it's marred in my hand, I'm gonna reshape it again. You know, it's according to the potter's discretion. When is the pot done? It's up to the potter. When will it be done? When the potter feels it's ready. I don't know when he's going to be done spinning you around. You're going to be done when he sees something that is the delight of his heart. Today, my sermon to you is very simple in 2024. Accept and receive the invitation to be clay and invite him to be Potter again. Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise? Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.